WFLF Fine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. It's 6 o'clock, and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour time to get ready for hurricane season. Details in one minute. And Trump fights back. And what are U.S. House Democrats doing for you? Coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. The Atlantic hurricane season officially starts tomorrow. And take note, they're changing the rules when it comes to hurricane preparation. We've been telling people that we think three days supplies is enough, but Hurricane Michael proved that that's not necessarily the case. Florida Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz now says they recommend people have at least five to seven days of basic supplies including food, water, and medicine. To help you get prepared for hurricane season, sales taxes are being waived on storm supplies purchased today through June 6th. And while you're putting together your emergency kits, don't forget your pets. Identification, whether it's a tag or updating their microchip or getting a microchip for their pet, sometimes those things are overlooked when people start preparing. Rich Anderson with an animal rescue organization in West Palm Beach advises you to be sure your phone number is on that tag. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In Washington, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney is explaining why the United States is threatening to slap tariffs on all Mexican goods. Mulvaney says Mexico needs to do more to curb the flow of illegal immigrants across the Mexican border. 5% tariffs go into effect June 10th, and he says they won't come off until they see results. We are going to judge success here. Uh, by the number of people crossing the border, and that number needs to start coming down. Mulvaney also says the tariffs would go up. 10% on July 1st, 15% on August 1st, 20% on September 1st, and 25% uh, on October 1st. Mexico's president is sending his foreign minister to the U.S. today. Rob Dawson, Fox News. Attorney General Bill Barr believes special counsel Robert Mueller could have reached a decision on whether President Trump obstructed justice. In an interview with CBS News, Barr said it's unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there can be no court resolution of the actual charge. Here in Florida, two state lawmakers are taking on an NRA lobbyist. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale and Representative Anna Escamani of Orlando filed an ethics complaint yesterday regarding Marion Hammer. The Democrats claim Hammer failed to disclose she received $270,000 in payments following last year's Parkland school shooting. Attention parents of teenage drivers. AAA Florida says the 100 deadliest days have begun. During this period of time, we normally see about 700 people die every year in crashes related to teen drivers. About seven people per day. AAA's Mark Jenkins says the three major factors contributing to fatal teenage crashes are speeding, drinking, and distraction. A couple of state troopers are credited with making sure an injured bird did not wind up as roadkill. A pelican with a lame wing was found late yesterday afternoon walking in the southbound lanes of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge over Tampa Bay. FHP Corporal Nick Morris and Trooper Ray Ada caught the bird before it suffered any more injuries. The pelican was later taken to the nearby Seaside Seabird Sanctuary. WFLA News Time is 6.05. An elderly man is attacked by a rabid bat hiding in his iPad case. That story is online at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WFLAOrlando. 
The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And a very pleasant good Friday morning to you here on the 50,000 watt front porch. Mark Logos filling in for the Bud Man, co host. Alan Spector uh, with the news, and of course, Yaffe, our executive producer, and Melissa Fox, our call screener, and all of you, each of us, contributors to the group topic. Here's what I want to throw out for a little bit later. Uh, Should UCF officials go to prison for fraud? I mean, I think we take it a little bit for granted that uh, first it was $38 million of misappropriation of funds. And then it turned out to be $50 million, and now it's supposedly almost $70 million. This is not chump change here. And the fact of the matter is the state legislature has a fiduciary responsibility to hold those accountable who use our tax dollars. And I was very stunned that the Orlando Sentinel at one point seemed to side with the misappropriation of funds at UCF as though it was some small little thing when in reality it's a very big thing. So we're going to talk about that in this hour. And, of course, uh, I would not do this uh, audience very much credit if we did not do the Trump response to the Mueller fallout. So uh, if you missed that yesterday, that's coming up uh, next right here on News Radio 93.1. I knew the Trump train would show up sooner or later. It has uh, arrived. Just like Sunrail It's just kind of sitting there with the gates down, blocking all kinds of traffic up and and down. And uh, people get hit by it all the time. Well, they do. And they're about to get (laughs) slammed by the Trump train here. So we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in just two minutes here on News Radio 93.1. It's 611 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logas. Here's one of the top stories we're, we're covering for you this morning. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Texas Senator Ted Cruz. They say they're, what's this, working together? Yes, they are. See, uh, when you put two heads together, regardless of where they're coming from, for the common good of the American people, this might be a good example. The pair announced on Twitter they're proposing a new law that would keep members of Congress from immediately going to work as lobbyists once they leave. (laughs) What a no-brainer there, right? Ocasio-Cortez describes herself as a democratic socialist. And, of course, Cruz is one of the most conservative members of Congress. How about that? Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henniger, Alan Spector, Michael Yaffe, and Melissa Fox. All right, so government works for us, right? Let me uh, tell you why I'm a little uh, impassioned about this whole issue with Donald Trump. Because civil liberties and civil rights are different. A lot of people think they're the same thing, but they're not. Civil liberties basically grant freedoms to us, individuals, by placing limits on government. In other words, the government can't do certain things to us to ensure that we maintain our God-given liberties and our freedom. All right? And some of those restrictions are what the government who accuses individuals or citizens of doing must prove the guilt. The innocence is the accused. In other words, you're innocent until proven guilty. Civil rights, and here are the difference between the two, civil rights places the obligation on government to take positive action 
to protect citizens from illegal actions, whether it's government or private organizations that do those illegal acts. All right? So why am I giving you the difference between civil liberties and civil rights? Donald Trump did not have to prove his innocence. The government had to prove that he committed crimes. They set up with a guy, Bob Mueller, we talked about this yesterday, who should never have been the special counsel because one of the key players in this whole charade, uh, frankly, this silent coup, is none other than James Comey. And that was his protege. All right? We talked about that yesterday. I'm not going back through it. So yesterday, or the day before Wednesday, Mueller comes out and wants to have his say. Well, why doesn't he go under oath if he feels so compelled to talk about what they didn't find but what they believed, then he had an obligation to go under oath and explain that. Instead, he chose a press conference where he controlled the message and once again handed to the Democrats impeachment. All right. So yesterday, at the end of the show, we tried to get some sound on, but he was still talking. Donald Trump had a few things to say about Mueller's comments. We start with what he thought Mueller said and what he thought about it. I think he is a total conflicted person. I think Mueller is a true never-Trumper. He's somebody that dislikes Donald Trump. Then he explained Trump why he fought back against the whole Russian hoax. This was all about Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't talk about Russia anymore because it turned out to be a hoax. It was all a hoax. And then they say, gee, he fought back. Isn't that terrible? He fought back. Of course I fight back. Because it was a false accusation, a totally false accusation, and it's a disgrace, and it's a very, it's a very sad period for this country. And I think in the end, I will consider what's happening now to be one of my greatest achievements, exposing this corruption. I agree with him. Remember, drain the swamp? This is no surprise. Trump ran on draining the swamp and impeachment? According to AOL, Trump shows signs of not even understanding what it is. Listen to his explanation, though. To me, it's a dirty word, the word impeach. It's a dirty, filthy, disgusting word, and it had nothing to do with me. So I don't think so, because there was no crime. You know, it's high crimes and, not with or or. It's high crimes and misdemeanors. There was no high crime and there was no misdemeanor. Absolutely. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Let's talk about the people who don't know what they're talking about. You know, this prediction professor, this American University professor, Alan Lichtman, you know, he was the guy who predicted that Trump was going to be impeached within the first few weeks, first few months, the year of his presidency. Now he's out there going, yeah, you know what? I haven't missed since 1984. I've predicted everybody who has ever run and has won. Yeah, that's the guy. Now he is saying that Trump is going to win in 2020. Excuse me. I thought he was going to be impeached in the first year. Oh, but he's fixed it a little bit. He says, no, what the Democrats need to do is they need to impeach. And he, he's pushing for it. He says, oh, they laid out, Mueller laid out the case. You can't have it both ways. If Mueller did not lay out the case for Democrats, then why is it every Democrat foaming at the mouth is saying, oh, he laid out the case for us. Of course he laid out the case to keep it going. There's not going to be an impeachment. Trump hasn't done anything. 
But listen to the people. I mean, you have this professor from South Florida who said, yep, they're going to impeach Trump within the first few days of his presidency and he'll be out of office. Does anybody understand the whole process of impeachment? Impeachment is the indictment. It occurs in the House of Representatives. It's a permanent stain. Sorry for you Clinton fans out there, but that's what they always called it before Bill Clinton. It's a permanent stain on the presidency. You can't do away with it. If Hillary Clinton won, she could not wipe it away and say, oh, it was a you know right-hand conspiracy against my husband. It's permanent. And you know who gets impeached more than anybody? Federal judges. Ask L.C. Hastings from South Florida, who is in the U.S. House of Representatives, although he was impeached as a judge. So anyway, the trial occurs in the Senate, folks, and it takes 67 senators to convict. It's not going to happen. But Nancy Pelosi, she's not so sure. We'll have her comments, my take, and then yours in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 622 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. Some Orange County residents are suing over huge rent hikes. Housing advocates filed a federal lawsuit yesterday on behalf of four residents against the owners of the Slate Luxury Apartments in Winter Garden. They claim the property, which was once Osprey Landing, was illegally sold and the new owners raised the rent by hundreds of dollars a month on tenants using federal housing vouchers. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. Well, here are two of uh, the elites in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, Sheila Jackson Lee. Um, Why should she be removed from any consideration of voting on the uh, impeachment if they do this with Donald Trump? She says the Constitution's 400 years old. Excuse me, sweetheart, the country's not 400 years. I mean, if you think about it, how can somebody take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution and then openly say that our Constitution is 400 years old? No longer qualified. Ocasio-Cortez, <clears throat> she has no idea what the three branches of government are. The three co-equal branches of government. Remember this? She couldn't do it. She stuttered. She says, oh, I think it's, oh, what, um, the... Three branches, uh, not chambers, uh, executive, uh, oh, oh, wait a minute, What the presidency, the Senate, and the House. Remember that? She struggled with it, and she's in the House of Representatives. So how can two people who will be voting, if they choose to do this on impeachment, be eligible to vote when they don't even understand their sworn oath of office and what they're defending and protecting? And don't even get me started on Chuck Schumer. He gave Thomas Jefferson credit for writing the Bill of Rights. So he'll vote on whether or not Trump is suited to fulfill his duties as president, and he doesn't realize that uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, not the Bill of Rights. Morons, these people. It's just incredible to me, and they function. Speaking of which, let's hear what Nancy Pelosi had to say about Donald Trump and impeachment. Are getting the facts for the American people, are getting the truth for the yep. American people. Yep. Where they will lead us, we shall see. Nothing is off the table. Yep. 
but we do want to make such a compelling case, such an ironclad case, that even uh, the uh, Republican Senate, which at the time seems to be not a, an objective jury, uh, will be convinced of the path that we have to take as a country. <laughs> and your dog, too. I mean, what is this woman? Holy God. Did you see the airbrush they did on Time magazine? He could have sworn it was her granddaughter with what they did to her face. But Nancy Pelosi's slurring words, you remember when she kept referring to Donald Trump as George Bush? She did it like five times. She's slurring her speech and all the other stuff. Well, she was on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Hey, Walt Disney, Bob Iger, if you're listening, I'm sick to death of your partisan politics on your network. Jimmy Kimmel was wrong about Obamacare, and yet... He was not held accountable. He told lies about the Second Amendment and gun control, and he sniffled my hometown of Las Vegas. And he got that wrong, didn't even understand what the Second Amendment's about. Now he's out there last night with good old Nancy Pelosi going, let's see, what is it here? What did he say? He says, Kimmel presses Pelosi on impeachment. Quote, unquote, we need you to take care of this. Ooh. Take care of what? All right. Here's a poll. This is from PBS. This is a PBS poll. This was done about a year ago. 47% of voters won't back a candidate who supports impeaching Trump. The evidence is indeed out there. But, uh, you know, a poll of Americans. This was right after Trump was elected. Split. Americans, 42-42 on impeaching Trump. But then this USA Today story apparently got it wrong a little bit. If you add up the people who said strongly believe, do believe, or whatever, definitely will complete, definitely won't, probably won't, you're looking at 36%. Not split, not the country's divided, you're looking at 36%. Now, Alan Dershowitz had this to say, and I would listen to him more than anybody else at this point because this is the legal eagle. What I saw today was him putting his thumb, his elbow on the scale when he said, quote, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. That was absolutely inappropriate for him to say. It was worse than anything that Comey said when he exonerated Hillary Clinton and then said, but she engaged in extremely careless conduct. Everybody condemned that. This is much, much worse. And it does show that he had a motive to help the Democrats here. There's no other possible motive why he would have gone out of his way to say that. He could have easily said the opposite. If we had confidence that the president uh, didn't commit a crime, we would have said it. If we had confidence that he committed a crime, we would have said it. But no, he emphasized only the possibility the president might have committed a crime. That went well beyond his authority as special counsel. Alan Dershowitz is absolutely right. Of course, he's speaking about uh, Mueller's comments from Wednesday. Yesterday, Attorney General Barr says Mueller, quote unquote, could have reached a decision on whether Trump obstructed justice. I mean, there's no question as to what Mueller could have done and should have done. But he gets out there on Wednesday trying to get ahead of all of this. But Dershowitz isn't finished with Mueller yet. He even questions why the special counsel was appointed. 
It also showed we never should have had a special counsel. We should have had an objective, neutral, nonpartisan investigative commission looking into the entire effort of Russia to intrude itself into the 16 election and continuing to the 20 election and proposing efforts to ameliorate that in the future. A special counsel was a terrible, terrible mistake, and I think Mueller's statement today proves that beyond any doubt. All right, so we will be talking in the next half hour about what happens when government does not do its job in protecting our tax revenue, all right? But Alan has some updates of some news stories coming up. I do, Mark. A subpoena for Andrew Gillum. And who won game one of the NBA Finals? Those stories and others, plus traffic and weather together in just two minutes, 6.30 on Good Morning Orlando. Andrew Gillum, had he been elected governor, would have had a pretty rough start this morning in the governor's mansion. What do you say, Alan? I think so. A federal grand jury is issuing a subpoena to the former Democratic candidate for governor. The Tampa Bay Times reports prosecutors want information on Gillum's political committee, a major campaign donor, and other matters. It's not clear if the probe relates to the FBI's long-running investigation into alleged public corruption in Tallahassee. Word of the subpoena comes about a month after Gillum paid a fine to settle state ethics charges. Rick Hoshul, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Drivers can expect to have full access to the State Road 528 Beachline Bridge over Interstate 95 beginning next week. FDOT says crews are currently preparing to remove the temporary barriers and open all access ramps and lanes to traffic. The Beachline I-95 overpass has been under construction since April 29th when emergency repairs began to fix the considerable damage caused when a semi-truck hit the bridge with its oversized load in March. Governor Ron DeSantis wraps up his trip to Israel by meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. DeSantis calls the sit-down productive, but isn't worried if Netanyahu is defeated in a new election just ordered. I'll work with whoever is here. Um, I think from the perspective of, you know, Israel, they like, they need allies. I mean, you know, U.S. is a good ally. Obviously, Florida, we have a strong relationship. DeSantis also made a stop at the Western Wall, where he left a note praying for no hurricane strikes. Good news for homeowners in Volusia County. Property values are rising toward record levels. County officials releasing a report that shows they rose 8% to almost $60 billion since last year. Lake Helen had the biggest jump in property values with a gain of almost 13%, and DeLand saw an increase of just over 12%. The Scripps National Spelling Bee is waving the white flag of surrender after eight young people went 20 rounds without misspelling a word. At the end of round 17, the judges announced they were running out of words that could possibly challenge such a group of top spellers. They said anyone still standing after 20 rounds would win, and all eight competitors did. The eight were crowned co-champions, and each will receive a check for $50,000. The Toronto Raptors are drawing first blood in the NBA Finals. At Toronto last night, Pascal Siakam led the charge with 32 points as the Raptors took Game 1, 118-109 over the Golden State Warriors. Siakam appreciates the home crowd. Fans was amazing, man. I just want to say that. Coming out, you know, for a warm-up to, to, the, to the end of the game, they just the support and, and, you know, going crazy. Um, I've never seen anything like that. Just, you know, just happy to be a part of it. Siakam will get more home cooking on Sunday. Game two is at Toronto. 
It's 644 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. The measles outbreak in the United States is reaching another unfortunate milestone. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says there have been at least 971 reported cases of measles this year alone. It's the largest number in nearly three decades, and that includes at least three cases here in Florida. We're going to talk about this because I believe it's directly related to illegal immigration. We'll talk about that in the 8 o'clock hour. But now, updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, Michael Yaffe, and Melissa Fox on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Mark Logos filling in for the Bud Man. It's Free Movie Friday, and Adam Tickets, the best app to book your movie tickets, wants to hook you up to see crazy rich Asians in theaters today. Don't miss this heartwarming, hilarious, and romantic comedy based on the beloved best-selling novel. Text them now. Text RECORD, that's R-E-C-O-R-D, RECORD, to ADAM1, that's 28661, for your chance to win. Adam's Tickets app, where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. Uh, back in March, I was asked to deliver the invocation to the City of Orlando's council meeting. Uh, I had written it about three weeks prior, had no idea, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, in a different segment here, about the community land trust issue that was coming up. Not going to talk about that again. We did that yesterday. But a couple of people after the show said, what was the invocation? What did you what what did you say? So I thought the best thing, instead of rereading it, is just to lift it from the official public record and let you listen to it, and then I'll comment as to why I said some of the things that I said. In the spirit of a tradition of opening the meetings in an invocation that dates back almost a hundred years, let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that all elected officials, not just here, but all around this great nation, remember that they are the public servants and that government works for the people and not the other way around. I pray that our elected officials provide safe and appropriate uniforms and equipment, a financial support, and of equal importance, the respect that our first responders deserve. I pray that our elected officials ask themselves if they themselves would do what these brave men and women do each and every day, running into situations unknown to them, risking their lives to save others. I pray that our elected officials look into the mirror before cutting budgets that provide the necessary dollars for the sacrifice of our first responders or file frivolous lawsuits that can demean or destroy the reputations and lives of these selfless public servants. At the same time, I pray that our elected officials will look into allegations of misconduct and potential violations of civil liberties and civil rights by our first responders on behalf of the citizens that they are sworn to protect. I pray that cuts in providing services will always be the last consideration since government's first priority is to provide the state police powers of safety, health, and the morals of our communities. I pray that our elected officials ask themselves if gentrification that has reduced a once thriving community known as Paramore to less than 4,000 residents is in the best interest of the city beautiful. Compassion and understanding dictates that a neighbor should never be asphalt, a sports arena, or a Superfund site, and that those who appear before this governing body and others around our country are treated with the utmost respect that they deserve. Finally, Lord, I pray that those in our country who segregate and departmentalize people into races, ethnicities, and sexual orientation begin to respect each living soul as individuals who are blessed to be in the greatest nation on earth. 
that our founding fathers created as one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so, you know, I, I understand that uh, on the dais I was not paying attention. Uh, there were some looks and some confusion and some... Well, a couple days later, I was at the city clerk's office at the city of Orlando and ran into Patty Sheehan by the elevators. And I said, hello, Commissioner Sheehan. I don't know if you remember me. And she said, oh, yeah, I remember you. You're the pastor who came in and gave us the biggest F you that this council has ever been given. And she used the word. And I kind of just laughed a little bit. I kind of, <laughs> she goes, well, kind of like, what's so funny? I said, well, first of all, I'm not a pastor. I'm a professor. But I find it interesting that you would use that word at someone you thought was someone with the cloth, right? And then, uh, you know, I just explained. I said, look, I said, you know, I'm not here to stroke you guys. I mean, this was a reminder. You sent me the guidelines. Government works for the people. Why would you be offended by that? Well, you were lecturing us. It was supposed to be uplifting. No, it's supposed to be truth. And we're going to examine some of that truth specifically that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 6.52 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. A Navy SEAL accused of killing a wounded ISIS fighter and other crimes is free from custody ahead of his court-martial. Chief Eddie Gallagher was released yesterday from the Naval Medical Center in San Diego. President Trump is reportedly considering a pardon for Gallagher and other military personnel accused of urinating on corpus, uh, corpse. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Listen to us anywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Search WFLA Orlando. All right, here we go. Does government work for us? You know, I heard earlier in the week I was listening to Bud and Yaffe and Melissa and Alan about uh, Demings and the tax increase. I mean, no brainer. These Democrats love to raise our taxes. So my question to you is, what are you as House Democrats in our Central Florida district or anywhere around you from wherever you're listening to me, even if you're out of this state? What are Dems doing for you? All they're doing is talking about impeachment. Val Demings is my representative. She's done nothing. She didn't even have a Republican challenger for crying out loud last year. And so when you don't challenge Democrats and they walk smack into office, it was a choice between two Democrats there. Guess what they do? They want to impeach your president that has produced the lowest unemployment rate for African Americans since it's been recorded, the lowest unemployment rate for Hispanics since it's been recorded, the best job opportunities for young people in 52 years. That's over, oh my gosh, I mean, that's 52 years, folks. That's a long time since the economy has been this good for young people. And yet what do they want to do? Not only do they want to impeach this president because that's the only way they can think they can win in 2020, they want to repeal those tax cuts. Let me tell you what those tax cuts meant to my wife and me. Combined, it paid one of our mortgages, one month of our mortgage. It was like a free mortgage payment, but it really isn't free, is it? That means the federal government was taking too much of our money. And we're simply getting back so we can decide what to do with it. We could have saved it. We could have spent it. We paid a mortgage payment with it. All right. So on your Orange County Utilities Department, call them. I went in to pay my water bill, and I said, I'd like to know what this cross-connection control fee of $3 is. 
Nobody could accurately answer that question. Couldn't do it. Well, it's, you know, it's the backflow thing. I have a backflow thing. I've had it for 10 years. Why are you charging me $3 for a backflow issue? Guy knocked on my door. He looked in the backyard. He says, yep, that's the backflow. So why am I paying $3? Well, it's, it's to pay for when you have a problem with it and need it replaced. Excuse me. Is it going to cost me $3 times 12 every year to replace it or repair it? I would rather write one check than have government decide that it's going to be $3 out of every one of my utility bills. So I have another question for you. Why is everybody paying this? And where is this money going? Couldn't answer it. This was at the Orange County Utilities Department. They're collecting $3 off of everybody's utility bill, and they had nobody in that place who could answer my question. And I'm a taxpayer. They're taking my money, they're reaching into my wallet, and they can't tell me what they're doing with it. You know, Jerry Demings, ride SunRail if you want to enhance SunRail. Take it every day from your home to work. Or take the Lynx bus if you think that it needs improvement. I am tired of these elected officials taking our money, telling us after they've misappropriated it or won't look to see where they can cut something else to move money around. No, they tell us that they want more of our money. And this is the problem I have with UCF. Okay? UCF, now Whitaker, who is out, Dale Whitaker, has admitted in all construction projects totaling about $85 million were either built or planned to be built with inappropriate funds. That's illegal. Oh, yeah, four people have been removed. Four people have been lost their jobs. You know what? They deserve more than just losing their jobs. If it's misappropriation of dollars, tax dollars, they, they it's criminal. If we go in and steal somebody's money out of a house and we get caught with it, are they going to say, well, this is a problem. Just don't come back. No, that's not the way it works. So, Shut down UCF, a nutty idea from an amateur hour politician commentary, the Orlando Sentinel. This is what they said about Randy Fine, the Republican from Brevard County, who said, let's hold UCF accountable. Yeah, he said, maybe we don't fund UCF until UCF shows us that they will appropriate the funds, the dollars. Here is a, an elected official, folks, doing his job on behalf of us. And the Orlando Sentinel denigrates him as a nutty idea from an amateur hour politician. When the media is not outraged that $80 million has been misappropriated and used illegally, that's a problem for me. What is it that the Sentinel and mainstream media in general is missing here? This is not some small thing. $85 million is a lot of money. Yeah, well, we got a building out of it. You weren't supposed to. There are legal ways to do it. And if we're going to look at it that way, then why do we have investigations into the president and everybody else? It's a double standard, and it's got to stop. But the, the Sentinel's wrong here. Shut down UCF? Yeah. Hold them accountable until they can prove that they can manage the funds Fund them at the previous year's level. Don't cut them completely. Fund them at the previous year's level. Let them do something called accountability. And I would be a very happy guy. Liberty Council's joining us after the top of the hour. Sandra Merritt update and mixed in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll tell you all about that. Alan? 
Mark, it's time to get ready for hurricane season. And Trump has some new tariffs, this time on Mexican goods. Those stories and others, along with traffic and weather together in just two minutes, 6.59 on Good Morning Orlando. WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. It's 7.01 and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour, it's hurricane season eve. More in one minute. And Liberty Council's Roger Ganim joins us coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. Hurricane season officially starts tomorrow, and emergency managers now recommend you stock up on at least five to seven days of supplies if you want your family to be ready. The rule used to be that three days of supplies was enough, then came Hurricane Michael. And so we're now recommending that five days of supplies with critical supplies like food and water and medicine to have a seven days supply on hand. Florida Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says Hurricane Michael showed that when major storms hit, it can take longer than expected for help to arrive. And today's a good day to start stocking up. A sales tax holiday on hurricane supplies begins today. You'll have the opportunity to get pretty much whatever you need. It's very important to do so. Make sure you have your disaster preparedness and your emergency kits ready to go because we ultimately will have a storm at some point. That's James Miller of the Florida Retail Federation. The sales tax holiday continues through next Thursday. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In an effort to get Mexico to solve the immigration problem on the southern border, the White House announcing new tariffs on Mexican goods. During a telephone briefing, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney said a 5% tariff increase will go into effect on June 10th, citing economic and security concerns. This is already impacting the economy negatively. National security is the first and, and, and foremost priority for any president of the United States. Um, And this president will do everything that he legally can to defend the nation. The White House did not say how much illegal immigration needs to decrease for Mexico to avoid the tariffs. Louisiana's Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards is putting his signature on a strict abortion ban. The new law outlaws abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually about six weeks of pregnancy. Lawmakers approved the bill without an exception for rape or incest. The law does provide exceptions if the pregnant woman's life is at risk. AAA here in Florida says the 100 deadliest days are underway. That is the period from Memorial Day to Labor Day when traffic deaths involving teen drivers spike with an average of seven people killed per day. They're sharing the car with other friends who are out of school. So that leads to more distractions while they're behind the wheel. You mix that with inexperienced drivers And that's uh, sometimes a a fatal concoction. Speeding, drinking, and distractions are the major factors in fatal teen crashes. AAA's Mark Jenkins says parents need to stress the importance of being a safe driver. We've been hearing a lot about the measles lately. Now the Alachua County Health Department is warning of a mumps outbreak near the University of Florida in Gainesville. Twelve cases have been reported so far. Officials are tracing the mumps cases back to a specific group of students who may have been sharing utensils or drinking glasses. WFLA News Time is 7.05. An Uber driver realizes she is taking her female passenger to visit the driver's boyfriend. And things get ugly. 
That story's online at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. TM Orlando, weekdays 5 till 6 p.m. News Radio 93.1. And a very pleasant good Friday morning to you, Mark Logan, filling in for the Budman, Alan Specter, co-host here, Michael Yaffe, our executive producer, Melissa Fox, our call screener and all-around contributors, transgender Denver high school student is identified as the second gunman who killed one classmate and wounded eight. Friends refer to him as a tortured soul who didn't get the support he needed. That was the headline in the Daily Mail earlier this month. Many in the national press seem to overlook or gloss over the fact about the transgender orientation of the second gunman. Why do we do that? News is supposed to be objective. It's supposed to be the objective observer standing in the corner of a room who reports what happens when you weren't there. So the whole issue of the transgender Denver high school student, the second gunman, why would that be either intentionally or kind of just mildly mentioned but not at the forefront? If it's a homeschool student, that's prevalent right there. If it's a Trump supporter, it's prevalent. It's right up there. And why didn't this individual get the support he needed? It was there a conflict in their life? Well, Liberty Council's Roger Ganim is going to be sharing a story going on right now in Madison, Wisconsin. It's called Mixed Up, and he's going to share what's happening there. By the way, couldn't be more proud of the students who attended the vigil in Colorado after that shooting who got up and stormed out when politicians wanted to make it into a gun control seminar. Good for those kids. Good for those kids. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 7:12 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. There will be a noticeable absence on the sidelines when the next high school football season kicks off in Brevard County after 23 years as head coach at Palm Bay High. Dan Burke announced yesterday he's retiring. He's the longest tenured coach in the county, and his 214 wins with the Pirates rank first among all coaches in the county. Burke won two state championships as well. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at WFLA Orlando. Mark Logos filling in for the Bud Man, Roger Gannam from Liberty Council. Roger, before we get started, I want to make it clear that these are not free publicity things for you because Liberty Council, when you take up a case and represent somebody, you don't get paid for that. Is that correct? That's right, Mark. We never charge our clients for our uh, our help, and uh, and I'm thankful for that because people like Sandra Merritt, who we'll talk about next, could never afford to defend against a lawsuit from Planned Parenthood and a criminal prosecution from the California Attorney General at the same time. Uh, no one in the country can afford that, and uh, so we're thankful to be able to provide those services to her. Now, if there are people who would like to assist you financially so you can provide those services for free, how can they contact you? The best way is through our website, lc.org. That's lc.org. You can read about our cases, uh, pray for our clients, and, and, if, and if led to uh, donate financially. Also, our phone number is 407-875-1776. And 
uh, we have people available to uh, to help with uh, any requests that someone may have. All right, Roger, I was sickened when I read the update that came out from uh, you know Matt Staver about the Sandra Merritt update that you had a pretty sound case, I believe. The, the evidence was there that uh, here are two California attorney generals taking money from Planned Parenthood, and yet the California State Supreme Court said... I'll let you fill in that blank well, right they there. Said, unfortunately, they didn't say much, except that they just weren't going to take up uh, the argument that we've made that, that this attorney general, Javier Becerra, and his predecessor, Kamala Harris, are so wrapped up with Planned Parenthood that it's simply not fair and not just for them to be uh, basically prosecuting Sandra Merritt on Planned Parenthood's behalf. Uh, and it's not just about taking money. It, Javier Becerra even posed in front of a backdrop that says, I stand with Planned Parenthood. It's clear uh, their connections and, and really this conflict of interest that has turned the state of California into Planned Parenthood's uh, own personal prosecution department. Uh, and so what we hope the California Supreme Court would, uh, would see this and would stop these proceedings. And they did stop them temporarily to review our claim. Unfortunately, they just decided not to take it any further. They didn't express any opinion on whether our arguments were valid or not. They're just going to let the criminal matter proceed and leave these things that we've raised for a a final appeal, perhaps, after the case is over. Exactly. And to issue it with no opinion, I I guess the courts don't really have to explain themselves if they they choose not to. Bring us up to speed on how she is doing. This, if, if you don't remember, this is the older woman who is handcuffed. She's placed in a holding area where media has access to her. She's a grandmother. She has exposed, of course, Planned Parenthood and this uh, book, this uh, catalog, if you will, of shopping black market baby parts and things like that. And, and her picture is taken almost as if it's a beaten woman there. How is she doing? I mean, how does somebody go through this still hold their head up high, but still just just get this. She probably wants that day of justice to come, and it looks like they're just dragging it out. Well, Sandra, as you might expect, uh, is is dealing with this, uh, with these challenges, uh, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, this is difficult to be prosecuted by the, the attorney general, and it's difficult to be sued by Planned Parenthood. Uh, so she handles it day by day. Her faith is strong. Uh, she believes that what she did was right, and so um, she her resolve has not changed to uh, to stand up and, and face these charges and defend against them. I'd like to think that we provide her some comfort because she knows we're not going to desert her, that we'll be with her uh, through the bitter end, wherever that may lead. Um, but this is a really difficult uh, for anyone, uh, and, and to be sued and prosecuted at the same time, by organizations with seemingly unlimited resources, uh, it's going to take its toll. But um, like I said, we're not going to to leave her side, and uh, and you know by God's grace, we will uh, end up victorious in the end, whenever that may be, uh, and that could literally be years from now before all of this is finally settled out. Now, and you've had victories. I mean, you have had wins in this. It's just not in the state of California. Well, that's right. Uh, she was originally indicted in Texas, and we were able to, to beat those charges uh, because they were, they were bogus, frankly. Uh, and even in the California case, we won uh, dismissal of the uh, charges against her in round one, uh, 
uh, only to have the, the attorney general refile them uh, incorrectly, I would point out. But um, the errors are mounting up. And our hope is that even if there is a conviction in this case, uh, that there will be enough errors and a record of errors that we would be able to overturn that on appeal. Um, the California attorney general uh, is um, it certainly has unlimited resources, um, but they keep making mistakes, and uh, we're going to keep a good record of those, and uh, and hopefully, uh, one way or the other, we will uh, defeat these charges. The text line, our smartest audience in talk radio, what crime is she charged with? Excellent question. That is a great question. Uh, she's charged with basically taking undercover video of people without their consent. California is what's known as a two-party consent state, where if you're going to take an audiovisual recording of someone where they have an expectation of privacy, you have to get their consent. The problem with the whole prosecution is that these videos were made in restaurants and public places where no one has any expectation of privacy. And these conversations were had within earshot of other patrons of restaurants, within the wait staff. And so there's really no credible argument that there was an expectation of any of the conversations that she helped record. And remember, these are conversations about how these various entities are selling the parts of aborted babies. Um, there's no question that the videos reveal this practice. And so the, this is undercover journalism at its best, and this is the first ever prosecution of an undercover journalist in California, which is another grounds for, for appeal. This is selective, it's politically motivated, uh, and this is really being done just to silence Sandra Merritt's uh, efforts to expose Planned Parenthood. All right, Roger, I want you to come back. It's, it, we're going to have a smaller segment, but I want to talk about Mixed in Madison and the Equality Act. Can you stick around? Absolutely. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 7:24 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. A developer behind a controversial project in Seminole County has a new offer. Chris Dorworth's Rivercross development was rejected last summer, but yesterday he offered to eliminate about 300 apartments and much of the commercial space in that original design. However, more than 850 homes would remain in the rural area off County Road 491. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. Back to Roger Gannon from Liberty Council. Roger, what is mixed in Madison, Wisconsin? I couldn't believe it when I read it. Roger, the um, Madison, Wisconsin has a, uh, a teacher who has gone through a transformation. Uh, Roger, are you with us? All right. Um, and this major transformation with, uh, with this uh, professor or this, this teacher is that basically he has decided to uh, change who he is, his gender, and apparently showed a video of the transformation, the whole process, the progress of this, uh, procedure, and uh, showed it to his students in a public school. And some parents were not pleased with it. Other parents were, I guess, maybe interested in what happened. Not sure. But uh, in Madison, Liberty Council is representing some folks there that uh, don't necessarily agree with what that uh, that instructor did and, and questioned whether or not that was indeed 
something that this uh, instructor should be doing in a public school. So I've kind of brought him up to speed a little bit. We have Roger back now with us in Mixed in Madison. What can you add to that? Well, gosh, uh, this is really a sad story. We have a, a male elementary school teacher with an identity crisis. Uh, it's really a sad story. He, he can't figure out uh, if he's supposed to be a man or a woman. Um, but the real sad part is that he's brought this confusion and inflicted it on an entire elementary school, K through five, uh, telling them that, uh, that his ideology is that uh, he's not a man or a woman. Some days I'm neither. Most days I'm everything in between. And, and his statement really epitomizes what we've been warning about for years with this, uh, this transgender ideology, which is that if someone is not bound by, by biology to be a man or a woman, then they literally can be anything at any time. And that's exactly what he's telling these kids. And elementary school is supposed to be a place where kids learn truth, uh, where they become good citizens. And if they can't even count on the anchors of biological sex, you know, what is a man and what is a woman, um, it's really hopeless for their ability to, to learn what they need to know to, to function in a society that depends on truth uh, and objective reality. So uh, this is a really sad story, and, and we're using uh, the, the powerful tool of a public records request to find out how much the school district uh, has been involved in this uh, and whether they really approve this or whether this is a teacher who's just sort of gone out on his own um, and whether we can reel this back in somehow. All right. And finally, the Equality Act. Um, I know that uh, Mike Huckabee weighed in on this with Matt recently uh, on Mike's show. Uh, bring us up to speed about the Equality Act and why it really is an equal, right? Oh, it's terribly misnamed. Uh, this act ought to be known as the End of Religious Liberty as We Know It Act uh, or something like that, because what it does is it removes existing federal protection uh, for religious conscience rights. And that means if you're a church, you can be required that's to a hire first, an atheist. Uh, Roger, someone. that's a First Amendment right. So, so this Absolutely. act would trump the First Amendment of the freedom of religion? Would churches well, be forced to host same-sex ceremonies, for instance? Would they be forced to do that under this? That's what the proponents of this law want. Now, wow. there's no question it would be challenged under the First Amendment. Um, but it's even worse. It would, it would require people with a conscientious objection to abortion, for example, to perform them anyways, with no exceptions for uh, a conscience right. It would end women's sports as we know it. We've already seen the NCAA uh, allowing a male track athlete to win the women's uh, championship. Uh, you know, an athlete who competed in the same events last year as a man is now competing as a woman and destroying the, the competition. The Equality Act would enshrine that in federal law and make sure that, that women's sports as we know it would disappear. Uh, it, there's no other way to put it other than that this is a disaster. And it's a signal, uh, a clear signal as to what would happen if the Democrats control the House uh, and the Senate and the presidency in 2020. We know that this is coming. Uh, thankfully, uh, I don't think it'll ever get a hearing in the Senate. Um, but if, if it were to, um, I would hope that it would have no chance of passage. I would hope that President Trump would veto it, although he hasn't given us a clear indication. But naming something the Equality Act really sells a, a false narrative. This is not about equality. This is about imposing every progressive talking point that you've ever heard in one piece of legislation, uh, and it's really terrible for America. All right, so lc.org, if anybody wants to get involved, get more information, and if they want to help you out so you can help people at no charge like Sandra Merritt, what's that phone number again that they can call? 
407-875-1776. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. And, Roger, have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we'll speak with you soon. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Okay. 407-916-5400. Why am I giving out the phone number? Because after Alan's newscast, we will have sound judgment. But first, Alan? Yeah, we got some news. There you are. Casey Anthony is making a movie. And in our Elsewhere segment, guess who won on Jeopardy last night? Hmm. Those stories and others, along with traffic and weather together in just two minutes, 7.30 on Good Morning Orlando. All right, well, Mark filling in for the Bud Man. Alan is here with a name that used to dominate the news we haven't heard much about, but is apparently back in the news again. That's right. The name is Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony is planning to make a movie telling her side of her controversial story. The Orlando woman was famously acquitted of first-degree murder in 2011 for the death of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. Anthony told the Daily Mail that her new movie will be called as I was told, and will show that she was told to cover up knowledge that her daughter was dead. The movie will reportedly be filmed in North Carolina and should be finished by 2020. Hmm. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. As Florida's governor wrapped up his trip to Israel, he visited one of the holiest places in the world. Governor Ron DeSantis has a prayer this year for all Floridians, slipping a note into the Western Wall. My note was a plea to spare Florida from hurricanes after having a couple active seasons. He also had a second one. Jared Moskowitz gave me a letter written by a young girl in the panhandle who lost uh, her home. He didn't read it. DeSantis also laid a wreath at Yad Vashem and had, as he calls it, a productive meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Eric Rodriguez, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Andrew Gillum's campaign for governor is drawing scrutiny from federal prosecutors. The Tampa Bay Times reports a subpoena was filed two months ago in Tallahassee to get campaign records dating back to 2015. The National Spelling Bee is over, and it may be the most bizarre finish ever. An unbelievable ending for the Scripps Spelling Bee. For the first time in 94 years of the competition, it ended Thursday night in an eight-way tie. After 18 rounds of grueling spelling, official bee pronouncer Jacques Bailey on ESPN telling the champs, We'll soon run out of words that can possibly challenge you the most phenomenal assemblage of superspellers in the history of this storied competition. Each kid got to put their hand on the Spelling Bee trophy, and each takes home the winning prize of $50,000. Jill Nato, Fox News. The Toronto Raptors take Game 1 of the NBA Finals. At Toronto last night, Pascal Siakam led the Raptors with 32 points, and Kawhi Leonard added 23 in the 118-109 victory over the Golden State Warriors. Game 2 tips off Sunday again in Toronto. And elsewhere... Another day, another $58,000. It was another dominating performance by James Holzhauer on Jeopardy. As usual on last night's episode, it was a runaway for James going into final Jeopardy, where the category was national anthems. And the answer was, its anthem was adopted in 1947 to replace one by Joseph Haydn that had been tainted by association with Nazis. Holzhauer correctly responded, what is Austria? He won $58,612 in picking up his 31st consecutive victory, 
James' total is now $2,382,583. That puts him less than one hundred fifty grand away from Ken Jennings' all-time Jeopardy total. I mean, who didn't know that one? Yeah. Everybody knows Everybody that one. Knew that. I, I, I mean, it. what an easy they're softball. Just, they're just giving away the money now. <laughs> I knew I mean, it. What do you do? You you compete against this guy and you just go, oh, it's him. And you just walk off. Seriously, I mean, Mark, I mean, really. If they called me and said, hey, you've been selected, I'd be like, nah, not this week. Yeah. You know, you have to yeah. go through a lot of testing to uh, to even get to the show to begin with. And imagine going through all that and then yeah. this guy's here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there seems to be heavy traffic on Mount Everest these days. A California woman is making history as the first hiker to reach the 29,000-foot summit and back in just two weeks. Nutritionist and researcher Roxanne Vogel says she trained for three years for her record, which was set on May 22nd. She slept in a special tent for eight hours and moved her desk and computer into an altitude chamber at work. Vogel climbed to the top of the world from the north side, unaware there was a backup of hikers on the south side. So is this like the overachievers theme today? (laughs) Yeah. You might say that. <laughs> it's more like People the making Urkel. us feel lazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, perhaps overachieving, going over the edge, remember this movie scene? Yes! 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 Oh! 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 Oh, God. Oh. I'll have what she's having. Katz's Deli in New York City is hosting a contest to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the movie When Harry Met Sally. One particular scene with Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal made the Lower East Side Deli a household name. Next month, the restaurant will host a scene reenactment contest where fans can recreate the famed I'll Have What She's Having scene. Competitors in the July 12th contest will even sit at the same table where that scene was filmed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be entering? <laughs> no, I, I think I'll pass. But uh, I didn't realize I was three years old when that movie came out. You, know, you can oh, stop please. talking now. You Just know, shut up. we've discussed this before, Michael. We don't need to know about how old you were or that you weren't born when we bring up certain things that have happened in the past. Listen, young man, it's not right to do that. Yeah. Find these stories and others on the Good Morning Orlando page at WFLAOrlando.com. Uh, this y- very young man helps me <laughs> compile these. Just look for elsewhere. <laughs> With old Alan Spector. Okay. All right. Well, listen up. 407-916-5400. Sound judgment is next. So hop on board. The toll free is 866-916-5400. And the other number, of course, 407-916-5400. If you'd like to hop on board, win a great prize today, and participate in Sound Judgment, call in right now. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 7:44 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. Volusia County property values are rising toward record levels. County officials recently released a report that shows they rose 8% to almost $60 billion since last year. Lake Helen had the biggest jump in property values with a gain of almost 13%, and Deland saw an increase of just over 12%. 
Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Dave Ramsey, weekdays 3 till 5 p.m. News Radio 93.1. All right, here we go with sound judgment, a big, big prize today. And Melissa Fox is here to tell us about that. Oh, my God, no Al Inspector to help us through. <laughs> what am I going to do? It's a four-pack of tickets to see classic albums live. This album, The Rolling Stones, Let It Bleed. It give me shelter and a whole bunch of classics on there. It'll be Saturday, July 27th at the Hard Rock Live. Classic Albums Live is awesome because it features the finest studio musicians. No offense, they're out of Canada, but they're still good. Uh, they performed this album live, note for note, cut for cut. You sit there in those seats at the beautiful Hard Rock Live. You close your eyes, and it's just like you're sitting in your basement at Dad's house. Watching and listening. Yeah, cool. that's good stuff. So if you just want to cut through the line, go to Ticketmaster.com. Otherwise, win it right now. It's sound judgment. All right, here we go. In 1913, the 17th Amendment went into effect. This amendment has allowed registered voters to determine the two senators from each state. As in the case of the voice of our sound judgment, Senator Marco Rubio. That's not the question. Let's listen to what he says. And then I'll pose the question for you. I think he's doing the right thing. Look, we have no choice but to address this China uh, imbalance that exists writ large in our relationship, but particularly when it comes to trade. Uh, we have to deal with it now. This only gets harder from here. And I give the president credit. Look, the easiest thing for him to do in the short term is leave the status quo in place or cut some fake deal and the stock market will perform well. And in the short term, we'll have good results from it. But in the long term, it continues to chip away at the, at the uh, underpinnings of our economy, at the structure of our economy, and will ultimately leave us in a worse place. This existing relationship between China and the U.S. on a number of issues, particularly on trade and on industry, is out of balance. Okay, so the Senate has always been considered the upper chamber because they have advice and consent powers with the president. Here's the question. Prior to 1913 and the 17th Amendment, which allowed us, we the people, to vote for our U.S. Senators, who elected the U.S. Senators prior to the 17th Amendment? Caller 1 on line 1, who elected our U.S. Senators prior to the 17th Amendment? Do you know? Uh, was it the, uh, what was it, the president? No, no it wasn't. Uh, line 2, who elected our U.S. Senators before we the people got to do it in 1913? A hundred, well, however many years ago, just over 100 years ago today. Do you know? All right, line three. Who elected our U.S. senators before we the people did? Was it uh, Congress? No, but you're on the right track. You're thinking federal. But line four, who elected them? State legislators. There it is. That's the correct answer. The state legislatures elected the two U.S. senators from each state. We the people didn't get to do that. What's your name and where are you calling in from? Gary from elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let Melissa sort that out. Uh, did, did you look that up or did you kind of know that? Yeah, I knew that. Okay. All right. I'm going to put you on hold there. And, uh, yeah, the, the, it was uh, the anniversary day today. May 31st, 1913, the 17th Amendment. So we, the people, actually get to elect, directly elect, a third of the co-equal branches of government. Of course, we don't directly elect the president. We do that through the Electoral College, and we indirectly select who the Supreme Court justices are going to be because a president nominates and the Senate confirms 
through their advice and consent powers. So there you have it. Rush and the morning update coming up. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 7:52 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logas. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. A Polk County man wanted for three armed robberies in about two weeks is in custody. 22-year-old Reginald Swift of Haines City was arrested yesterday, one day after he allegedly pointed a gun at a woman who was inside her car before he fled on foot empty-handed. Swift is also accused of robbing a man at gunpoint and pointing a gun at another woman outside of her home. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. Hey, it's free movie Friday, and Adam Tickets, the best app to book your movie tickets, wants to hook you up to see Crazy Rich Asians. That's in theaters today. Don't miss this heartwarming, hilarious, and romantic comedy based on the beloved best-selling novel. Text them now. Text RECORD, that's R-E-C-O-R-D, RECORD, to Adam1, and that's 28661, 28661, for your chance to win. Adam's Tickets app, where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. All right, so (laughs) I've got to tell you, uh, this is not the guy you want to mess around with. And when Democrats had Cohen show up on the day that our president was meeting with Kim Jong-un, they created a bad situation because they... The, the North Korean dictator thug perceived the president was weak because of all the questions that were being bombarded about, you know, Cohen and all of this other stuff. Well, let me just give you a little update about Rocket Man and how dangerous he really is and why it was good that no other president, Democrat or Republican, you remember that when, when Trump was going to meet with him? Oh, maybe we should send George W. Bush. Oh, maybe we should send Barack Obama. You know what? Combined, they had 16 years to go sit down with that guy and his dad, and they didn't do it. So now Donald Trump goes and they say the guy's not able to handle him. Well, he did a good job in that first meeting. And they picked Vietnam. Remember all that? Yeah. Well, Kim Jong-un has executed his man in America. Special envoy to U.S. is killed by a firing squad for betraying the supreme leader. And another one, his interpreter, has been sent to a hard labor camp for the rest of his life. This is why you don't empower an idiot and a thug and a threatening menace like Kim Jong-un. And when the Democrats decided to have, oh, Cohen on the same day that Trump was having round two with Kim Jong-un, they played politics over not only our national but world security. And I think the blood is on the hands of the Republicans and the Democrats that played politics on a day when we could have had Another peaceful transition with North Korea. Alan, what's coming up at the top of the hour? Well, Mark, one more day until hurricane season, and Trump puts tariffs on Mexican goods. Those stories and others, and traffic and weather together in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. It is 7.58. WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando. WMGF HD. Dora Orlando and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. 
It's 8 o'clock, and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour time to get ready for hurricane season. Details in one minute. An Army staff sergeant's home is demolished while stationed in Iraq, but he fought back and will share his story coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. The Atlantic hurricane season officially starts tomorrow, and take note. They're changing the rules when it comes to hurricane preparation. We've been telling people that we think three-day supplies is enough, but Hurricane Michael proved that that's not necessarily the case. Florida Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz now says they recommend people have at least five to seven days of basic supplies, including food, water, and medicine. To help you get prepared for hurricane season, sales taxes are being waived on storm supplies purchased today through June 6th. And while you're putting together your emergency kits, don't forget your pets. Identification, whether it's a a tag or updating their microchip or getting a microchip for their pet, sometimes those things are overlooked when people start preparing. Rich Anderson with an animal rescue organization in West Palm Beach advises you to be sure your phone number is on that tag. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney is explaining why the U.S. is threatening to slap tariffs on all Mexican goods. Mulvaney says Mexico needs to do more to curb the flow of illegal immigrants across the Mexican border. 5% tariffs go into effect June 10th, and he says they won't come off until they see results. We are going to judge success here. Uh, by the number of people crossing the border, and that number needs to start coming down. Mulvaney also says the tariffs would go up. 10% on July 1st, 15% on August 1st, 20% on September 1st, and 25%... Uh, on October 1st. Mexico's president is sending his foreign minister to the U.S. today. Rob Dawson, Fox News. Attorney General Bill Barr believes special counsel Robert Mueller could have reached a decision on whether President Trump obstructed justice. In an interview with CBS News, Barr said it's unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there can be no court resolution of the actual charge. The man who live-streamed a violent confrontation with Orange County deputies is back in court today. LaForest Duran Gray is asking for a new attorney. In February, deputies went to Gray's Windermere apartment to investigate reports he was fighting with a woman and opened fire when it appeared he pulled a gun. Gray was not shot, but he was bitten by a police dog. He's now awaiting trial on 12 charges. Attention, parents of teenage drivers. AAA Florida says the 100 deadliest days have begun. During this period of time, we normally see about 700 people die every year in crashes related to teen drivers. About seven people per day. AAA's Mark Jenkins says the three major factors contributing to fatal teenage crashes are speeding, drinking, and distraction. A couple of state troopers are credited with making sure an injured bird did not wind up as roadkill. A pelican with a lame wing was found late yesterday afternoon walking in the southbound lanes of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge over Tampa Bay. FHP Corporal Nick Morris and Trooper Ray Ada caught the bird before it suffered any more injuries. The pelican was later taken to the nearby Seaside Seabird Sanctuary. WFLA News Time 805. Speaking of law enforcement to the rescue, a Michigan cop grabs a baby from the middle of a road seconds before a truck speeds by. That story's online at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WFLA Orlando. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. 
Welcome to the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And a very pleasant good Friday morning to you. Mark Logan's filling in for the Bud Man. Co-host Alan Spector is here. Yaffe, our executive producer, Melissa Fox. Our uh, call screener is also in the studio. The, the next gentleman that will be speaking, um, I'm not going to identify who he is because, uh, frankly, he fought a very long battle, many battles, frankly, not only um, for this country, but to save his home, which ended up being demolished by a county government entity. Uh, he won that battle, by the way. I mean, lost the house, but uh, proved his side that he did everything that he could do in order to comply with uh, what the government was asking him to do. The reason I don't want to identify him is simple, because he is here to show that you can use the law and you can use the rights, civil liberties, which place restrictions on government for our freedoms. We started off this show at 6 o'clock this morning talking about that in a way and I have none of this. I don't know about you all. I have no patience. Okay. Patience is a virtue. I don't have that virtue. This man was very patient, used the law, kept his head, worked through the process. And the reason I want to introduce him to you, his story, is because you can fight back and you can win when there is a severe injustice. As kind of the directing theme over the last two days Government works for us, not the other way around. I hope that you'll listen carefully to his story and that uh, you'll learn something about persistence and faith and dedication. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 812 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logas. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. The Scripps National Spelling Bee is waving the white flag of surrender after eight young people went 20 rounds without misspelling a word. The eight were crowned co-champions and each will receive a check for $50,000. At the end of round 17, the judges announced, hey, we're running out of words. They could possibly challenge such a group of top spellers with. So they said anyone still standing after 20 rounds would win, and all eight competitors did. That's pretty neat. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And a great Friday morning to you, Mark Logos, filling in for the Budman, 812. And joining me, normally I would tell you who our guests are. And it's really no big secret, but I'm doing this uh, because, frankly, I want to respect the fact that this gentleman has served his country with honor and distinction as a uh, veteran and also went through something that I think nobody should ever have to go through, right? So I'm hearing the story, and I'm just amazed, and I'm thinking this can't get worse. I'm thinking of my worst day, and this is a nightmare that really began when you were living in South Florida, right? That is correct. All right. So you were living in South Florida, and one day somebody comes to your house and says, oh, by the way, uh, you need to fix something on your front porch. And this person identified themselves as somebody with government. And your reply was? Uh, sure. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it done. I'll, I'll, I'll take care I'll of it. Get to it. 
So when you got to it, you were visited again, right? Correct. But this time by a different government entity. Correct. Tell me how that happened. Uh, while I was working, uh, an inspector showed up. He said, I can't do that work without a permit. So I had to stop working and go down to the department and pull a permit. All right. So you went down and pulled a permit from the department. Negative. Okay. And why did that not occur, though? When I got to the department, they already knew who I was. Okay. So they knew who you were, and you were active military. Not to use that, but, I mean, you had served. Now, how many tours of duty and where? Do you mind sharing that or not? Uh, two in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. Okay. So two in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. And you go down. They knew who you were when you went for the permit. Correct. And yeah. I showed them uh, my credentials, and I showed them my orders. To I was going to deploy to Iraq at the time. All right. Uh, they didn't care about that. They didn't care about that. So the the county, right, who, who uh, made this decision, basically said uh, this isn't a valid reason. But it is a valid legal reason, isn't it? Correct. Explain that process and how the military assisted you with trying to communicate with a county entity that they needed to give you time because of these orders. Yeah, it's called a SCRA, Soldier Sailors Relief Act. Okay. And that permits you time. While while we're in active duty or in training to uh, be deployed, uh, everything legal is put on hold. So when did this nightmare begin? What year was that? 2007. 2007, all right. And so you're working through this process. Now, this is an older neighborhood, Yes. right? And your house is older, but so are the neighboring houses around you. Yes. Okay. So they came to you, you, and told you that you needed to bring your house up to code and at one point said it would probably be better just to tear your house down altogether because you'll probably never be able to bring this house up to code. Correct. Did they ever approach any of your neighbors with that message? No. No. Isn't that interesting? Now, you grew up in a house nearby, right? Is adjacent to that. Adjacent to that house. Then all of a sudden, that house started having problems, right? Right, because I owned it. All right. So you own your own home. You purchased the home you grew up in, which is adjacent to it. All of a sudden, that home now has problems. Yeah, same problems. That, same same that. problems. Got to tear it down. Um, as I recall, there was something specific. I, I remember when you and I discussed this. Um, it had to be built up to the new codes, and you had to bring your house up a foot above a new road. How do you raise a house a foot above a new road? I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that be grandfathered in? That that was my uh, my point of view, and that's what I was trying to fight. I was telling them that I can't do it; it needs to be grandfathered in. They said, "No, you need to bring it up to code." So this starts in two thousand seven. You're working with them. When was the house demolished? Two thousand eleven. So you're going through this national nightmare for four years while you're serving your country, and your wife is pregnant with your child. Yes. Right. So that leave act or that act allows you while you're in training for redeployment or deployed to be covered. When did the county tear down your house? In 
2011. While your wife was pregnant. In June 2011. And you were in training, right? Yes. So you weren't home. No, I wasn't. I was in California. You were in California in training. So can we, we can identify the county, right? What, What county? Dade. Dade County. Dade County shows up at your house while you're in training. Your wife is pregnant. And they demolish your house with all of your belongings, possessions, everything except human beings inside that house. That's what I'm researching and understanding. Yes. Are you listening to this, folks? Government works for us, not the other way around. This gentleman serves his country, serves in the military. His wife is pregnant. For four years, he's been trying to work through the process of permits and everything else. And while he's gone... They demolish his house. Can you imagine coming home to your home today and it's just a pile of rubble right there? And you find out that because you didn't comply with something the government said you needed to comply with, but short of tearing down your house, right, to raise it a foot above a new road, there's no improvement you can make that's ever going to meet the criteria that they've established for you. Exactly. All right. I'm interested to hear why you think and how you fought back, not through violence, not through threats, but using the system, that's the teachable moment I'd like everybody to walk away with, is that you can keep your head, you can use the laws that are there for you. And we'll have that in Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 823 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. Louisiana's Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards is putting his signature on a strict abortion ban. New law outlaws abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually about six weeks of pregnancy. Lawmakers approved a bill without an exception for rape or incest. The law does provide exceptions if the pregnant woman's life is at risk. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. All right. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to be too mystic here. The reason that I know this gentleman is because he was a student in one of my classes at Valencia. Okay? And we talk about a lot of issues and a lot of things, and we talk about what the state and local governments are supposed to be able to do and not supposed to be able to do. And, um, you know, stumbled across this, ended up speaking with him about this, and, my gosh, he's got firsthand knowledge of, of you know, all the things I'm trying to articulate, and he's lived. So this is not an angry person. This is not a bitter person. This is not somebody who wants to go out and shout to the world about the injustice He's a, he's a decent, honorable veteran with a loving family who simply, frankly, for whatever reason, was targeted by Dade County and not, you know, I, I, look, folks, an architect comes and says, there's really nothing wrong with your house, right? Okay, so you get that opinion. Right. All right. The second house, the one you grew up with in, you sold that house because of, of all the circumstances, because now you have to raise that house a foot above a new road. Did they do any of the, the when they sold that house, was that house sold as is? Yes. All right. So 
They sold the house as is with none of the improvements that the code required. Did they make any improvements exterior after that house was uh, sold? No, it was, right. it was minor. All right, so I'm just going to ask you the question. People are like, Logos, why are you beating around the bush? This is tough for me because I really kind of want to just lay it out, and I don't want to to do that because I'm more upset about this. I mean, you're sitting here calm going, look, I just want to help people and let them know here's the process. Okay, why do you think they targeted you? Why do you think they didn't like you in particular? The real reason, I don't know, but... From the beginning, I didn't play by their rules. I didn't. I didn't just go and do what they told me to do. You asked questions. I asked questions, and I said, "Well, there's an alternative. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to be deployed in this time. I can't do it. Can you give me extensions? Can you? Can we work something out?" So now these weren't excuses, right? I mean, you were not using because people out there probably, oh, he was trying to use his military. No, this guy was not using his military experience or his deployments for this. You know, let. Let's see if you if you want to go there. When you were deployed, were there individuals from Dade County contacting you via email while you're out on maneuvers? Was Dade County in I'll use the words you never did, were they harassing you? Yes, constantly. What were some of the things they would send to you while you were out sweeping for mines with many people under your command, trying to keep your head clear? What kind of crap were you getting from Dade County? It were emails uh, from one individual saying, get your family out, I'm going to demolish your house tomorrow. So you're serving overseas, and they're sending you these messages. Correct. Get your family out, I'm demolishing tomorrow. Yes. Now let's get to the part about how you fought back. You used the system, the legal system. You had the law with you. From what I've gathered... You simply received a notice and you asked questions, which every citizen has a right to do. I was cited for this. I'd like to comply. How can I do that based on what you're doing? I need more time. I'm getting prepped. I'm going to be on another deployment. How do we work through this? They weren't working with you. No. Just do it is what I understand. All right. So they demolish your house while your wife is five months pregnant and you're training for your next deployment. Take it up from there. How did the legal system work? How did you use the legal system in order to win? Because you did win. The county was found to be in error as to what it did to you and your family. Yeah. Uh, I knew that the SRA would cover me. Uh, My commanding officer gave me the letter that stated everything, the law, that's uh, stating that while I was uh, on active duty, I could not be forced to do these things uh they said it didn't apply the county did and but i knew i was correct so i just i just kept on going and until after they demolished the house even before they demolished the house i was looking for help i I didn't stop i went to different government uh agencies and tried to somewhat find someone to intervene and kind of bring things down but uh there was no there was always a no uh, you just got to do what they tell you. Whatever they say, you have to do, and that was the that was the, the mindset. So it it ended basically in 2014 when the the courts sided with you. Correct. Seven years of pure hell. Yes. All right. The teachable moment here is government works for us, not the other way around. You got to be patient. Government is not going to knee jerk and admit a mistake if it's made a mistake. 
Nine times out of ten, if they have somebody rogue, which it sounds in this case, we've not named anybody, but frankly, it sounds like somebody went rogue for whatever reason. Maybe they personally targeted you. You don't know this individual, didn't know him before. So it sounds to me like somebody said, go do this. And you said, okay, um, how do I raise a house, you know, a foot above a new road? And how do I make these improvements? You ask questions. Everybody has a legal right to do that. When you were in the process of doing this, you get deployed. You're covered for that, but the county says no. Correct. Then when you're gone in California for your last deployment, boom, they take your house down. At any point, you could have quit. You could have surrendered. You could have just thrown your hands up, but you didn't. That's the teachable moment here, folks. Government works for us. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be fast. And you know what? There are good people in government, too. For the bad ones that you encounter and you run into, there are good people who will help you. You would have never gotten where you were if somebody good in some of these departments didn't do their job. Exactly. So give those individuals in government a chance to work for us because there are many in government who do work for us, and they understand that. God bless you for your service to our country. Three tours, two Afghanistan, one Iraq. God bless you for that. God bless your family. Thank you for, and I did all the talking for a reason because I didn't want to put any words in your mouth or have you basically say anything other than this is how we help people. Yes. Be persistent, ask questions, follow the law, use the law, and hold government accountable. Never give up. Never give up. Thank you so much. And speaking of never giving up, we're not going to give up on the news. Alan is here with uh, what's coming up. Yeah, there's no let up in that, Mark. A subpoena for Andrew Gillum and who won game one of the NBA Finals. Those stories, plus elsewhere and traffic and weather together in just two minutes. 831 on Good Morning Orlando. Mark Lucas filling in for the Bud Man. Time now for news. Federal prosecutors seem to want to speak to Andrew Gillum, Alan. Yeah, there's a, a subpoena that was issued by a federal grand jury, and it happened a couple of months ago for former Democratic candidate for governor, Andrew Gillum. The Tampa Bay Times reports prosecutors want information on Gillum's political committee, a major campaign donor, and other matters. It's not clear if the probe relates to the FBI's long-running investigation into alleged public corruption in Tallahassee. Word of the subpoena comes about a month after Gillum paid a fine to settle state ethics charges. Rick Hoshul, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Drivers can expect to have full access to the State Road 528 Beachline Bridge over Interstate 95 beginning next week. FDOT says crews are currently preparing to remove the temporary barriers and open all access ramps and lanes to traffic. The Beachline I-95 overpass has been under construction since the end of April when emergency repairs began to fix the considerable damage caused when a semi-truck hit the bridge with its oversized load in March. Criminal charges are being filed against a Maitland swim instructor who's accused of letting a three-year-old child slip underwater. Park Maitland School employee Jessica Kretz was arrested this week and is the only person facing criminal charges, even though three other employees were present. The boy was rescued after more than two minutes underwater, but the family is suing the school for negligence. Governor Ron DeSantis wraps up his trip to Israel by meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. DeSantis calling the sit-down productive, but said he's not worried if Netanyahu is defeated in a new election just ordered. I'll work with whoever is here. Um, I think from the perspective of, you know, Israel, they like, they need allies. I mean, you know, U.S. is a good ally. Obviously, Florida, we have a strong relationship. DeSantis also made a stop at the Western Wall, where he left a note praying for no hurricane strikes. 
The Scripps National Spelling Bee is waving the white flag of surrender after eight young people went 20 rounds without misspelling a word. At the end of round 17, the judges announced they were running out of words that could possibly challenge such a group of top spellers. They said anyone still standing after 20 rounds would win, and all eight competitors did. The eight were crowned co-champions, and each will get a check for $50,000. The Toronto Raptors draw first blood in the NBA Finals. At Toronto last night, Pascal Siakam led the charge with 32 points as the Raptors took Game 1, 118-109 over the Golden State Warriors. Siakam appreciating the home crowd. Fans was amazing, man. I just want to say that. Coming out, you know, from a warm-up to, to, the, to the end of the game, they just... The support and, and you know going crazy, um, I never seen anything like that. Just you know, just happy to be a part of it. More home cooking for the Raptors on Sunday during Game Two. Elsewhere, in a galaxy far, far away, well, twenty five hundred miles away. The Force will be with thousands of Star Wars fans in California today. Disneyland's new Star Wars section opens to the public after years of anticipation and construction. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge bears a striking resemblance to some of the most famous scenes from the movie franchise. It also has a Millennium Falcon ride and a cantina serving real cocktails. And as we told you earlier this week, a single drink could set you back 45 bucks. Mm. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens at Walt Disney World on August 29th. Remember we had the recent story of a man in India who had ingested 116 two-inch nails? Oh, there's a, there's a follow-up to this one? Now we have an Indian man in recovery following stomach surgery to remove a number of tools and eating utensils. Medical experts say 35-year-old Karan Sen was rushed to the hospital where an x-ray of his stomach revealed two screwdrivers, toothbrushes, eight spoons, and a kitchen knife. (laughs) Some of the utensils began to pierce his insides, requiring immediate action, specifically a four-hour-long operation. Sen was said to be in pain, but unaware of the items in his stomach. Doctors believe he suffers from PICA, a psychiatric disorder which compels a person to eat inedible objects. Mm-hmm. Mm. Working on this microphone right now. <laughs> I think he was trying to outdo the other guy. Oh, yeah, you I, did nails, huh? Yeah. I can beat you. Yeah, it's just all, stick to insects like it, yesterday, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Well, I was in China. This is India. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> and finally, he's gone now. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Singer Leon Redbone has died. He specialized in old-school vaudeville and Tin Pan Alley-style music. In a statement posted to his website, Redbone's family said, Leon Redbone crossed the delta for that beautiful shore at the age of 127. (laughs) His family playfully claimed Redbone was 127 because the singer's age has been debated over the years. However, most reports say he was 69. His family added that he departed our world with his guitar, his trusty companion Rover, and a simple tip of his hat. Goodbye, Leon Redbone. More on these stories on the Good Morning Orlando page at WFLAOrlando.com. Just look for Elsewhere. Elsewhere. With Alan Spector.
All right. Thank you, Alan. And uh, do, do criminals seem to be getting a pass these days? Don't know, but we'll examine that. Frankly, they are. And we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 845 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. Attorney General Bill Barr believes special counsel Robert Mueller could have reached a decision on whether President Trump obstructed justice. In an interview with CBS News, Barr said it's unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there can be no court resolution of the actual charge. Mueller's final report does not exonerate Trump on Obstruction. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Mark Logan's filling in for the Bud Man. Christopher Lee Price dead. One less wart on the ass of society, as far as I'm concerned. Alabama kills a killer. How about that? Yep, he took the life of a pastor. It took him quite a long time. Matter of fact, it was a brutal sword murder of this pastor who was going to the store to buy some uh, gifts for his daughter. And, you know, I guess maybe my tolerance level is gone when it comes to these, these butchers out there, these murderers. How about this headline? Man 30, who calls himself, quote, unquote, sovereign, is charged with murder for hacking a hiker to death with a machete after leaving another seriously injured on the Appalachian Trail two weeks after he was freed from jail. Folks, how is it that these convicted murderers keep getting out? By the way, you want to know what the average serve time is for someone sentenced 20 years to life in prison for murder? It's eight years and three months. As a society, we got to get this back under control. And we've got to understand that these parole boards today that are judging whether people should be released, you know, that for something they did 30, 40 years ago, you know what? A judge, a jury, a jury and a judge sentence these people. I mean, look at the two Manson freaks, these two women. Oh, yeah, they're old women now. They look real nice. But you know what? They butchered people. One of them tried to assassinate Gerald Ford. And they're free. They're free. How about this? A sex predator. They prey on our kids. The laws protect them. They violate their probations and everything else. Nothing happens to them. But look at this guy. He gets out. He's a sex predator. Picks up an eight-year-old girl right off the street. Thank God, literally, because the man who found this little girl and saved her life, he said, God literally led us to this place. American Taliban militant John Walker Lynn is released. You know, the widow of one of his victims didn't understand that, and most people don't either. Jamie Kloss, the little girl who watched both of her parents brutally gunned down. The guy gets life, and deservedly so, but the man, no, the coward that shot these people to steal their 13-year-old girl You know what? Give it a few years, right? Maybe 2030. Is there going to be a parole board down the road that looks at this guy and says, golly, you know, he's found God and he's done all these. He hasn't killed anybody in prison. Maybe we should let him out. And not too long ago right here in Florida State Prison, Bobby Joe Long died by lethal injection. You know, one of the victims who survived, he was accused, by the way, he was a serial murderer, 
killed 10 women in 1984 around Tampa. She said he wouldn't look her in the eye when she witnessed his execution. You know, the rights of the criminally accused are extremely important to me, but so are the rights of the victims. We got to get that back in check. We certainly have to protect the rights of the criminally accused, but when there are witnesses, DNA matching, and there's no doubt, and sometimes a confession, like uh, Warnos confessed and said, just execute me, there were people who wanted to save her life when she didn't even want to save her own. We got to examine that because innocent people are dying, and they're also dying at the hands of illegal immigrants who are pouring across our border, and we're going to talk about that. And Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 93.1. It's 8:53 on Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Mark Logos. Here's one of the top stories we're covering for you this morning. The measles outbreak in the U.S. is reaching another unfortunate milestone. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says there's been 971 reported cases of measles this year. It's the largest number in nearly three decades. That includes at least three cases in Florida. Updates at least every 10 minutes on these stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. You know, just a couple of things. I do not understand these wars that are going on in our city on billboards about which hospital is the best. You know, come to our hospital. No, come to our hospital. You know what? If you need a hospital, you're going to the closest one. That's all I'm saying. But it seems like a lot of money to be advertising. I also wanted uh, the stack of stuff I never got to. Armas Ayala, her husband, says it was a mistake. He mistakenly voted as a felon. This is the poster child for Amendment 4. A lot of people don't realize this. Armas Ayala's husband, right, voted illegally. Twice. All right, just kind of wanted to point that out. I know it has been before, but I haven't done it here. Biden has an 18-point lead over Bernie Sanders. That says a lot about the Democratic field. All right, and then Trump takes credit. This was the one over the top, Memorial Day. Trump takes credit for Obama's gains for veterans. AOL News, yeah. Sorry, Obama's gains for veterans. Who signed the Forever GI Bill and has strengthened the military and strengthened veterans? I don't hear the chant, uh, what is it, deny, delay, deny, wait till I die. Remember those cheers and chants at many of the VA hospitals when Obama was the president? Haven't heard those lately. Last but not least, illegal immigrants impacting our electoral system. Look, this is how it works. Our electoral system works based on population and our Senate. What do I mean by that? Well, every state has a total number of congressional Uh, congressman, if you will. That includes the House of Representatives and the Senate. Every state has two senators. The population determines how many representatives you have in the House of Representatives. Follow me? All right, so we have two senators in Florida. That means we have 27 in the House because we have a total of 29 in Congress, but that also equals something else. The number of representatives you have in Congress equals the total number of electoral college votes that that state has. We have 29 members in Congress. We have 29 votes out of the, uh, you know, 538 in the electoral college. Uh, Washington, D.C. gets three votes, even though they're not a state in the electoral college. So follow me on this. If population is based on how many representatives a state has in the House, 
which also transfers over to the Electoral College, should we be checking a box like Donald Trump wants us to do, and I agree with wholeheartedly, whether you in the 2020 census are a legal or a non-legal citizen? Because the population determines representation. Look at the number of illegal immigrants in California, in Nevada, in Arizona, in Texas. That is artificially inflating their population, which is artificially inflating their number of representatives in the House, which is also artificially inflating the votes for president. Right now, would we have 55 members in Congress in California and 55 votes for president? No. That number would probably drop to about 51 based on the number of known illegals in that particular state. The next question is, we fought over this before. It was called the Three-Fifths Compromise, only it was over slavery. The Virginia plan called for everyone to count. The New Jersey plan called for equality. You remember that? And the slave states wanted the slaves counted as part of the population, even though they didn't count as a person. Here we go again. People who should not be counted, states want to count them as part of their population to inflate their representation in Congress and also in the Electoral College. Keep that in mind. And the other question we didn't get to, but I'll throw out there, should ballots be in both English and Spanish? And if you have a question about illegal immigration, take the hinges off your door of the exterior of your house and let people wander through if you don't support the wall and get a taste of what it's like and what we're paying for and the free rides some are getting. Mark Logos for the Mud Man. Be proud of America and don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there.